Hello and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. I'm just, I'm just tired. Mango, I'm so tired. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the rise of Skywalker. But before we do that, buddy, <laughs> why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we talk about games, but we also talk about Star Wars. A lot. I don't know that there has been something that has been like more kind of central Maybe, like, over the course of the 200-plus episodes that are, like, Star Wars episodes. I think they are our magnum op- opi, because uh, there's a bunch of them. Uh, you know, we covered one of them twice. Buddy, like, buddy, that's how you, much. Do you know what opi means in, in Japanese? Opa! I was thinking, I watched Big Fat Greek Wedding, so I'm thinking opa, like, Greek people. But anyway, yeah, so we're talking about uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, The Rise of skywalker yeah so i think before we get into it i, I was thinking about this for, for those for, for those of you people at home who are unfamiliar with our uh with with, with our mag with, with our magnum opuses uh maybe we could just kind of like give a brief overview of our view of the series i think the easiest way to do that is just to stack rank the eight mainline movies and then add in where we think the rise of skywalker goes does that sound good to you Oh, interesting. Uh, yes, that is good for me. I don't have a great way of ranking off the top of my head. Okay, all right. Well, well oh, and also, what is the ranking? To, like, is it favorite or good? My favorite uh, one is not a good one. Okay. Um, you know what? Feel free to throw as many caveats into that as you want. Okay, that's fine. Um, I just figured this is a, I figured this this is just like the the quickest way to shorthand how we how we feel about the series. Yeah. Um, so for me. It starts at number one is Empire Strikes Back. Number two is A New Hope. Three is Revenge of the Sith. Four is Return of the Jedi. Five is The Phantom Menace. Uh, Six is uh, The Last Jedi. Seven is The Force Awakens. And eight is The Attack of the Clones. Um, And I would insert uh, Rise of Skywalker um, in between The Phantom Menace and The Last Jedi. Um, so as the number six film, and that pushes uh, the rest of them down one spot. Okay, uh, my list, which is very haphazard, my favorite is Revenge of the Sith, Episode 3, then it's The Last Jedi, then Empire Strikes Back, then A New Hope, then Return of the Jedi, uh, then Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, then The Force Awakens, then Attack of the Clones, then Rise of Skywalker in last place in ninth place. All right, all right, excellent. So that that's uh, so so. Before we get into spoiler territory, do you want to say anything else about uh, about Rise of Skywalker, not non spoiler wise? I mean, I don't recommend people see it uh, because I think it's just like terrible. Uh, I I mean, like it's one of those things where it's tough because like obviously I think people you know, and I feel this too, where I want to see something and be a part of the kind of the conversation. Um, right? Like, this is a big moment for the culture. And so, in a certain sense, I don't really think that, like, my my recommendation really matters, because if somebody wants to be a part of the culture, they're going to see it, and that's fair, or whatever. Um, and I'm never going to judge anybody for, you know, watching a bad a bad movie um, to, to kind of buy into that. But at the same time, you know, I just have... Uh, boy, I really, really had a hard time with this with this movie. I am... Uh, so, uh, I want to, I want to be without going into spoilers. I want to be very clear that boy, do I think that this movie is absolutely awful and you, it is not worth your time. 
Yeah, um, I think it is incredibly mediocre. Um, and like, if you like Star Wars, you're probably not gonna like it, or you might like it despite itself, right? Like, you're not you're not gonna like it as a good movie, but you know. I mean, I think one of the most valuable lessons you can get from watching this movie is why you don't swap directors in the trilogy, like back and forth. Like th- this, this is like the best movie. This is the best movie to, to illustrate that. Um, the, like this whole trilogy. Um, like, I'd honestly be okay if at some point Disney's just like, you know what, seven, eight, nine, we're doing them over. Um, yeah, like they are. Uh, let's let's try that one one more time. Like, yeah. Um, uh... But yeah, I didn't think this movie was good. I didn't think it was terrible. Obviously, I don't. I I I think it's the best of this trilogy, um, which you know is it's is its own discussion. Um, but you know, I I you know, it's it's whatever, right? Like, it is. I mean, I, like 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 you said, right? Like people are gonna see it anyway because it's a cultural touchstone, not because not, regardless of whether it's good or not. So, whatever. I'm I'm basically okay. like at the point where I don't care anymore, which is crazy because yeah, it's Star no, Wars. I, I know I definitely do feel that, um, and that's one of the things that really kills me about this. Like, so for instance, another hot take of mine is that this makes the sequel trilogy work, even though the sequel trilogy has what I consider to be the very best Star Wars movie in the Last Jedi. I think the sequel trilogy is overall worse than the prequels because of the way. I mean, I also think the Force Awakens is bad, but like. It just sinks it, you know, and we and we all, you know, we talked about this that the it was going to be the last movie that makes, or like that makes or breaks the sequel trilogy, and to me it just like absolutely shatters it, right? Like even even though I think Attack of the Clones sucks, right, or that like the Phantom Menace is just like whatever, like at least that era was something that I was inspired by. Do you know what I mean? And like the wider kind of story of like the clone wars and stuff like that. I've actually been watching some of the clone wars cartoon and it's fantastic. It's great because like part of what makes those movies work is how effortlessly it created the world. And so even if attack of the clones is just like a slog, it still got something, right? But I just have no... And maybe I'm just too old for it, right? But, like, I just have absolutely no interest in anything in the sequel universe anymore. Do you know what I mean? I've just completely lost my interest in what's been uh, uh, what's been these back three movies because, like, they just don't really care about anything, like, bigger or wider than that. And I think it's, like, the, the primary and, like, cardinal sin of, uh, of these movies. I think I, I generally agree with you. I mean, I, I think the caveat there is I think that this is just as much on The Last Jedi as it is on the other two movies. Um, I think they're bad. I do, yeah, in, I, do, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I think, I, like, I, I forgive The Last Jedi to a certain extent because I think it's an inherited problem for The Force Awakens, right? And you could have fixed it in a different, right, like Episode Nine or whatever. But I absolutely agree with you that The, the Last Jedi also falls apart here just because, like, like, The Last Jedi is an intensely focused story that has no curiosity about like the wider world it feels like. yeah no and like I, I i've said this in our in our private conversations but i think the last jedi would have been much better positioned as a outside the mainline series solo movie um uh like like uh rogue one um but that's that's not quite here nor there um i definitely agree with you on the kind of like sinks the 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 uh uh sinks the trilogy type 
bit, right? Like if the Phantom Menace is elevated by the context of the entire trilogy, um, these three movies, especially the last, the last Jedi in particular are diminished by, uh, this movie. Um, like, uh, JJ Abrams seems like he went out of his way to just kind of like completely invalidate, uh, the last Jedi, which is uh, not, not very spoilery. Um, really? I, th- I mean, well, that's interesting. I thought you were going to have the opposite take. Cause I've seen some people push back on that. Like, uh, so for instance, you know, someone like the, somebody tweeted out basically a whole list of all of the things that, you know, like the last jet that was invalidated by this movie. And, uh, and I saw some people fighting it. They were like, Oh no, like this and that. And it's just a continuation of the story. And I was like, no, dude, it is not, it is not just a continuation of the story. It really is going after a lot of the stuff that happened in the last Jedi. Yeah. I, do, do we want to hit the spoiler mark now? I, I doubt anybody's listening to us before the beginning of the I mean, I have a lot of that I want to talk about. <laughs> All right. Spoiler warning. If you want to see the last Jedi and not be spoiled on it, stop here. All right. Uh, so, so what, what do you want to start with? Yeah, I mean, it just, uh, it seems like there's just a lot of the stuff that The Last Jedi did, right? Like, this movie wanted to walk back. Yeah. You know, like, so for instance, in the in the Red Letter Media review, review in Half in the Bag, they talk about how there's the moment where Rey goes to whatever the planet is. I don't even remember the, the name. And she goes to throw her lightsaber away because she's, like, afraid she's going to turn to the dark side. And then Luke's Force ghost catches the lightsaber and brings it back to Rey. And then Luke t- looks directly at the screen and says, fuck you, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, f- it felt like there was a lot of that stuff, right? Like, Rose was like, oh, can I come on the adventure? And Finn just, like, pats her on the head condescendingly, like, no, no, you you stay here. Like, you know, like, just tons of stuff like that, it felt like. Yeah, I, so so what it really felt like, and you know, I'm I'm not saying that this is just is justified or anything, is that JJ wanted to do the whole trilogy, and he got like cold feet for the second one or something, right? Like, if or like, he thought that Ryan Johnson would at least follow the outline, which it seemed like you know, again with it without really assigning blame, th- there have been rumors that like there was an outline and Ryan Johnson basically threw it in the trash and did what he wanted, um, which I think like. Like the the primary sin of this movie and this trilogy is not having a plan for the whole fucking thing, right? Yeah. Like there's no there, there's no solid through line. There, there's some character arcs that 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 are pretty decently, right? Like I think Ray and Kylo Ren's arcs are. are See, like, I, really I, I know you don't like I know you don't like how it we'll ends get into up, the details. but it, yeah, we'll go into the details. At the very least, it it arcs well, right? Like it, like th- there is an arc that you can recognize, even if you don't like. Um, uh, see, I don't think that that's true. Okay. Like this is, this is kind of my problem, um, to, to specifically with Kylo. Cause he's like the easier way. But the thing is, is that like, there is character development between Ray and Kylo Ren in the, the force awakens. And then it continues through the last Jedi and the rise of Skywalker basically doesn't accept that character development. Right. Which is which is part of my problem. So like, I don't think it arcs well. Like, I don't think that there is an arc. I think Kylo Ren loses his arc because of the way that he is perceived in this movie. Whereas in the first two movies, I don't even really like For- the Force Awakens, right? But like, at least yes, they, they are arcing towards something. Same thing with Rey. Um, and I just felt like that got really undone by uh, the the status quo that they started at in the Rise of Skywalker. 
you know, I'll just lay this out. Okay, yeah, so go here's, for it. what we're really talking about is Kylo Ren's redemption arc. He got redeemed in the Rise of Skywalker. I think that's bad. Here is here's here's why. It's not that I think you know, like it's not that I think that he should have gone a different direction. Right. I mean, I do think he should have gone a different direction. It is that I think the arc that he was set up on had him on a different direction. And the place where he is in the Rise of Skywalker is inconsistent with that. Right. Like it is essentially like there is a break between eight and nine where Kylo Ren ceases being the Kylo Ren in eight. And he just kind of reverts in a lot of ways to the Kylo Ren that he was in the very beginning of the force awakens. Right. Um, and like he, and so to lay this out, okay, here's Kylo Ren's character arc. He is tortured and he is passingly committed to the dark side. And he's trying to commit harder to the dark side. So in the force awakens, he kills his, you know, he kills his dad. This is this like big, you know, big, big dramatic moment at the end of act two, he kills Han Solo, right? But actually, I think that the more interesting and the more poignant moment is in the lightsaber fight with Finn and Rey. Kylo Ren looks at Finn and he yells, traitor, at the top of his lungs. He is furious that this random, fucking random stormtrooper would choose to switch sides like that. And the reason is, is because Kylo Ren is triggered by betrayal, right? This is the thing that manifests his commitment to the dark side. He constantly feels like he is being betrayed. And that is the negative emotion in the same way that like, you know, Anakin gave in to his fear that his mom and Padme were going to die, right? Like Kylo Ren is constantly, constantly grappling with his feelings of being betrayed right so he yells traitor in the in the force awakens then we learn in the last jedi that the moment that sent him spiraling right like he was already sort of flirting with the dark side and he was in contact with snoke or whatever right but the moment that sent him spiraling is when he felt like luke betrayed him right and and that's part of like the backstory that you learn in the last jedi and then in the throne room, Kylo Ren has a moment where he and Rey have been connecting this whole movie and he thinks that, and they, they mutually think that they can kind of turn one another and they successfully fight together to kill Snoke, right? And Kylo Ren says, let's just let the past die. Like, fuck the Force Order, fuck the Resistance. Let's move on with our lives and get out of, and get out of here. And he extends his hand. And Rey says, well, no, I'm not going to abandon my fucking friends. And so she denies him. That is a betrayal. And it's a betrayal that triggers the exact same feelings he's been, you know, like the, the, the exact same thing that's been making him spiral into the dark side this whole time. And instead of abandoning this cause, he reaffirms himself as the supreme leader and is absolutely furious with both Rey and the Resistance personally, right? Which is why the very end of that movie is him going down, like, they go to the surface of Crate and he wants to kill them, right? Like, he knows Rey is in the Millennium Falcon when he points at it and he yells, blow that piece of junk out of the sky, right? He is actively trying to destroy Rey and he's doing it with fury and anger. He is livid with her, right? Just as he is livid with Luke when Luke shows up, right? 
And so Luke does his whole thing. He is piling on, right, like the laser blasts or whatever. He's yelling at the guys, like the more, more, or whatever, right? Like he's clearly like unhinged because of all of these feelings or whatever. So the end, and then the very end of the movie where they have their brief connection and Ray closes the door on him or whatever and flies away with like the resistance. This, as far as I'm concerned, cements that Kylo Ren is irredeemable right? That he had his chance in the throne room and Rey chose her friends over him, which is a fair, you know, it's a fair choice, obviously, right? Um, and that he, there is no version of events where he is willing to come to terms with Rey and they are going to like make nice. In the same way that there's no version of events where he's willing to come to terms with Luke and they're willing to make nice. Do you see what I'm saying? And so in The Rise of Skywalker, where Kylo Ren is like, he goes to the Emperor, and the Emperor's like, you've got to kill Rey. And he's like, I have my own plans. I don't want to kill Rey. And they do their own force connection thing, and they keep talking or whatever. It's like, no, this doesn't make any sense. Kylo Ren hates Rey. She betrayed him in a huge moment of vulnerability in the same way that Luke did. And the only thing we've ever seen from him is intense feelings of hatred about that. This is incongruous with the character that was developed over the course of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. So that's my thing. That's my Kylo Ren's redemption arc is bad. Here's why. Okay, so I'm with you up until the point where you say this makes him unrede unredeemable. I don't see how that's true. Like, I get your point that, like, maybe he shouldn't be so quick to, like, forgive Ray. I think that's a valid criticism, right? But I don't see why that makes him unredeemable i think that's more of like a pacing problem which is like the chief problem with this movie right which you haven't addressed yet but like this movie is going at a yeah. fucking you know crack addict pace um, yeah this is narrative arthritis we talk about this all the time but you know there's just the pacing is absolutely god awful because it's too quick yeah um and so like given that right like it, it, i think i can attribute the issues with with uh kylo ren's forgiveness to not having enough time for that to be a thing that happens right like i feel like the cathar like that moment is supposed to happen where he like forgives himself in that fight on the on the death star but it's not mm -hmm. given the appropriate amount of breathing room to hit that point right like so i do want to say that uh there is something unique here which is that like normally when we think of redemption arcs right like we think of the moment of no return in a way right where it's like you have done something that you can like never come back from or, or, like, whatever that kind of, like, looks like. This is not a situation where, like, Kylo Ren is so terrible and so evil that, like, he is irredeemable. He can't come back for it. The irredeemable part of this is that Kylo Ren is no longer at war with himself in in, in that se sequence of events that I have set out, right? Like, he is fully 100% dark-sided by that point. And, like, yeah, sure, I guess maybe it's possible for someone to be, like, redeemed or whatever, but like I don't think he has the impetus for redemption that he shows by like reconnecting with Ray and like not going along with what the like. I feel like the Emperor should tell him, "You go, you have to go kill Ray," and he's like, "Thank God, I fucking hate her, and I want to kill her so bad." At the end of the last movie, I wanted to blow that ship out of the sky, right? Like, right. Do, you, do you see what I'm saying? I, so I, it's less it's 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 less about like whether or not he can be redeemed from the outside and whether or not he is willing to seek redemption from the inside if that makes sense sure but i mean like i mean, obviously this is supposed to mirror vader's journey in a way and i think that like again there's like 30 years and and uh you know and 
a movie and a half in between this, or actually almost three movies in between this. But like, I feel like Anakin's at kind of the same point at the end of episode three. And, you know, it takes, again, it takes him three movies to get there, but he's redeemed by the end of episode six. And like, that's why I view this as fundamentally a pacing problem rather than like a conceptual problem. Mm hmm. And maybe, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely, I see, I see what you're setting up, and I think that makes sense, right? Like, so, for instance, in episode three, Anakin literally murders children, right? Yeah. I mean, he does the same thing in episode two. Um, so, like, I don't, I don't think that there is something in the Star Wars universe to say that someone is irredeemable, right? But it yeah. is whether or not someone is, like, kind of looking for that. Like, by the, by the time of episode six, Darth Vader is telling Luke, it's too late for me. You know what I mean? Like, he's given yeah. up, but he's still, like open to the idea i don't think kylo ren should be open to the idea at least not from ray do you know what i mean it's not like yeah i see what you're saying yeah like so for instance if this was a situation where it wasn't ray but it was like someone that like you know like it was rose someone he had no interaction with right like he captures rose and he's talking to rose in the prison to try and interrogate her but she's like empathetic towards him and he's kind of opening up to her and that brings him around that makes like a certain amount of sense it's kind of like if the vader arc it wasn't luke who redeemed vader but like obi-wan do you know what i mean that yeah. wouldn't have made sense vader was happy to kill obi-wan because obi-wan was the person that he felt most aggrieved towards ray is the obi-wan in this scenario she is the person he is most aggrieved towards except for maybe luke um and so the fact that she is the agent of his redemption is bad yeah i mm -hmm. I, I buy that i don't know if i completely agree but I, de I, I definitely i definitely see your point i think there's like a point to be made that like that like she's like the person that he connects with and he's kind of forced to because of the forced dyad stuff um which, you know, again, I, I think I think it's done poorly if if it's if that's what it's supposed to be. Um, it's I guess kind of on that point. Like I thought the forced dyad stuff was neat, but kind of like like everything else in this movie, like not really like given enough room to be explained or breathe. What do you think about that? I thought it was legitimately clever uh, when you know because in the Last Jedi, you the the forced dyad stuff does clearly show that there is like some weird way in which like objects pass between them like through the universe or whatever so for instance the moment on the like the like what the planet with like zori or whatever um where she is in his study and they're like having their lightsaber duel through the force dyad and like the the darth vader helmet falls through it and he's like oh i know where you are because like there's only one place where that fucking helmet would be i thought that stuff was actually like kind of neat and 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 a little bit interesting uh but in general i think the force dyad stuff was bad and uh and kind of like it kind of feels like uh it kind of feels like those memes that's like copy you know like can I copy your homework? It's like, yeah, but just like change a few answers kind of thing. Because it was just the same thing that we saw in The Last Jedi. Uh, and I felt like it shouldn't have been there. Like, I feel like their their relationship should have closed at the end of The Last Jedi. So the Forsyth stuff happening here is kind of like, it's kind of like JJ saying like, oh, that was like really cool. I want to continue with that. It's like the only thing from the fucking The Last Jedi that he wants to continue forward, right? Um I don't know. Yeah, I, the the thing that keeps running through my head about it is is uh, the 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 prequel meme. <laughs> this is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. 
just <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so so kind of wrapping around then um to to kind of like the the driving force of this movie which is apparently emperor palpatine oh. uh yeah, See, I no. think the, yeah, I mean, like, I think Palpatine is bad, but I, I get why they go for Palpatine. Yeah, because they don't Kylo like Kylo Ren should just be the straight up villain of this film, as far as I'm concerned, right? Like, he completed his arc. He is dark side at the end of the movie. Maybe there is some moment of just like small redemption, but not like real redemption. Just kind of like, uh, like a like a. A kind of uh, like he's fraught with his own decision making and at the moment when he wants to like blow up the galaxy or whatever he like pauses and reconsiders or whatever and he dies but like it's not a redeeming death it's just kind of a like ah he you know he didn't quite have the stones to go all the way through with it sort of thing like maybe you could have made that work but because they went forward with a kylo ren is getting redeemed story well you have to introduce a bad guy who is bigger than kylo and why not the bad guy that we've already beaten at the end of episode six? I, that surely won't invalidate the entire six movies beforehand. Definitely not. It's also super not as pulley that he has a giant fleet of Star Destroyers. That is just gi gi a giant fleet of Star Destroyers. Also, those Star Destroyers can just blow up planets just like the fucking Death Star. So, good. good it's just like insanely yeah. ass pulley and that and all of that stuff is very bad yeah. but i think the nexus of it is just that they didn't commit to kylo ren as the villain yeah i mean I'll, or like i think i think the real nexus of it is that jg abrams wanted to be snoke and ryan johnson killed snoke um and jg abrams was mad um or something like that right like um but you know how however that goes regardless but yeah i, I think you're absolutely right like you 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 need somebody to be as a backdrop. That being said, I thought I actually really liked the Emperor's look in this, kind of like independent of independent of whether or not that was a good decision. I, th I thought like the kind of like old blind man at the end of a mechanical arm was a really cool look and like the, the way they did like kind of the strobe lighting on his face I thought was neat. I thought it was a cool visual effect. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a fan of the aesthetic. I was, I, was, I was a fan of the aesthetic of the, of kind of that Sith cave with like the chorus, right? Um, I was a fan of like... The, the the, yeah. the force lightning I, I definitely did like his his aesthetic i did not enjoy the sith chorus aspect of it i thought that like i like i like what i like that palpatine and vader were like the only two sith in the galaxy sort of thing and so like there's being this giant secret enclave of sith i thought was kind of shitty. oh see like yeah no i but i i didn't see them as like i didn't expect them to be like real sith right i thought they were like you know like cultists Right, like like unpowered people that are just kind of dedicated. Okay, um, but yeah, that that, I mean, that was my interpretation, right? Like I, but I, I see your point. Um, uh, yeah, it, the, part of this is just that it doesn't explain any of this stuff. Yeah, right? like uh, it's going too quick to actually like dig into the details and exact. Like, so for instance, like Snoke is a clone, and like the Emperor, like you would think that if he is trying to use, why why did he go with? Snoke with that, I it's just like completely mind boggling. All yeah. of the Snoke stuff in the understanding that he is a puppet controlled by Palpatine. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 nonsensical. It's just like a thing they had to like throw in there in order to get it to work and like shove past it. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there was another thing with 
with this. Like, oh, and did you say that you liked the lightning? Uh, I thought it was I thought it was a cool visual effect. I don't okay, know how yeah, yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I've kind of come to the conclusion that it kind of has to be that like this planet, like I- icicle or ex- exicle or whatever it's called, has to be like a, a very Sithy planet where Sith things go very Sithy, and then like the island where the Jedi were is a very Jedi island where like the Force ghosts can like affect change on things. Um, and that can't be true anywhere else because otherwise everything in the universe breaks. But you know, that's just kind of like, eh, right? Like I, th- I thought it was a cool visual effect, but I didn't. I, you know, I, I'm kind of yeah. Mixed like on I feel like it was supposed to sort of match the moment where the Death Star, where the Emperor reveals that the the Death Star in Return of the Jedi is fully operational. Yeah. Which yeah. I actually think you know, like, that's a pretty clever plot twist, uh, all things considered. Um, and it works out like well in the context of the story because you're getting all of this exposition from like the rebels and you have sort of been conditioned over the course of the star wars original movies to sort of like take the rebel intelligence on its word so the fact that that intelligence was botched was kind of like a a real like oh fuck sort of moment um this was just like uh, that it was trying to recreate the effect of that moment without any of the hard work of sort of setting it up yeah. Uh, which is just, you know, so it's just, like, completely empty. Yeah, I buy that. Um, I mean, to be honest, it's kind of, like, a part of my whole thing with, like, the movies that it's just, like, vapid and hollow and empty. It's, it's like, it's, it's like, uh, I, I, I've, I've described it as cinematic parroting, right? It's kind of like you're sitting there and you're having a conversation with a parrot, and maybe for like a while the parrot fools you into thinking that into like oh like this parrot can talk right it's talking to me, but the truth is the parrot isn't talking to you. The parrot doesn't know the word what words mean right. It is just repeating the sounds that it has heard to you without any kind of comprehension of what those sounds greater meaning would be. If that makes sense. And it's the same sort of thing all over this movie, it feels like. Right. Have, have Where... you heard of a Chinese room? The what? A Chinese room. Uh, it, it, oh, it, the it, thought experiment. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, it yeah. Is actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is an, an exact. Yes, it is exactly like that, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, I, for, what I'm sort of describing. For the listeners at home, a Chinese room is uh, is. It, it, essentially, there's a man passing notes in Chinese into a room and the person inside the room is uh is like has like pictographic exchanges and can like send back messages but like he's just kind of like matching patterns and the test is whether or not you can tell if the person inside understands the chinese or is just kind of like matching patterns in like a guidebook and Um, this is exactly my thing jj abrams does not understand right he is matching the patterns he's showing you the iconography and like the symbolism of star wars without understanding any of the deeper foundational pieces thematically character driven even just the plot stuff right that make that iconography works right he wants to have a moment where the ceiling opens up and the emperor reveals that he secretly has lured the whole you know fleet here so that he can kill them in one fell swoop and shoot lightning into the sky but he hasn't done any of the work in order to set up that moment so it's completely hollow and it falls flat i actually think the worst example of this is the very end of the movie with ray's binary sunset because it is so it comes after luke's right like luke's death in the in the last jedi was a moment of real comprehension right like ryan johnson got it right 
in A New Hope, he looks at the binary sunset, and you immediately understand how much more he wants from his life. He is not a simple farm boy. He is a hero, and he wants to be that, right? That is the aspiration of Luke Skywalker. And so when he dies on the island, after having fulfilled the mythic legendary hero status that he never, you know what I mean? Like that he was hoping to accomplish. It is a, it's a bookend, right? It's a cinematic bookend to his journey. Luke accomplished that goal. His life is complete. Now he can fade into the force and be contented or whatever. Ray's is literally just saying, I know that people think this moment is meaningful so i'm gonna recreate it with ray but it's at the end of her journey and it doesn't make any sense it's not like this is something that has been affiliated with ray it's not like the moment itself is set up in the in the story context at all like they have defeated the sith and she goes to the middle of tatooine for no reason she buries leia's lightsaber leia never went to Tatooine except to save Han from Jabba the Hutt's palace like she is like shouldn't that lightsaber be going to I don't know the blown up remains of Alderaan or something who cares right like but that's the thing right like that moment is hollow it's not it's not trying to say anything it's not trying to communicate anything deeper or more complex it's just saying I know people think that this is a good shot so I'm gonna include this good shot when Ray tells the random old lady that she's a Skywalker now I guess because why not yeah yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I, I, I do agree with that 100%. Like, I, I you know, I, I was thinking that, like, the right way to do that would have been something like a binary sunrise, maybe, right? Because the, the point is that she's headed off to be, like, a real Jedi, right? Like, she's in some ways supposed to be, like, off to, like, start things because that's why she has the new, the new, the new lightsaber, now 999 stores, right? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I, like, I could. Like, there were a couple of moments that I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is marketing, right? Like, the, the lightsaber was one. Like, I feel like Lando talking to, like, the, 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 the Stormtrooper girl was supposed to be, like, a tie-in for, like, a TV series or something. Like, that's the best I could think of that. Like, let's find I out really where hated. you're from. I, I mean, I think both of those are beards. Like, I think that they're beards. I think that uh, – uh, I mean, have you seen the compilations of, like – oscar isaac being like oh yeah i wanted finn and poe to be gay it's no, he's not that he's never that direct but he constantly brings up in interviews like with the press or whatever how he really how he like how much poe and finn like really care about each other or whatever and it's because they have great chemistry but then in this movie they like introduce like two no homo characters so that like like no 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 they're straight they're yeah, straight yeah. guys come on they're straight like <laughs> Not to mention, by the way, that I think Janna is her name, who is like Poe's like deserted stormtrooper friend. My very favorite part of this of this whole thing is that like they have this conversation where Finn is like, "Oh man, like I never knew that there were like other deserters out there," and I was like, "Okay, they're gonna do a thing, right? Where like they get on a star destroyer, but they like convince all of the stormtroopers, all of, like the lackeys, to turn against it, and then they're gonna like hijack the star destroyer." No, 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 no! Come on, they're thinking way too hard for this stuff. They're just just gonna completely uncomplicated kill thousands of other stormtroopers even though all of them were like conscripted and like forced into this there is no ethical qualm in any of them to just like brutally murder these fucking stormtroopers <laughs> which yeah. i just thought you know 
Yeah, but, but they're on a they're on a Sith ship, buddy. So it doesn't count. Oh that yeah, you're right. Bad. They are. Yeah, they're 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 Sith. I the, apparently there have been millions, billions, probably of Sith just working on star destroyers for thirty fucking years. Like, yeah. So so the other thing that like this is this is again a, a a part of the pacing problem, but like the idea that the Sith are all like a hive mind. I'm not sure that like that's the actual implication but that's the way it comes across and and i think that's kind of dumb like like it's especially for like an ideology founded on like emotion being a hive mind doesn't seem very super like compatible with that i I just think that it's like a bad metaphor that palpatine uses rather than like an actual statement of fact if that makes sense i yeah i think it's intensely stupid and it like this one of the things i like about the rule of two right um, which has been adopted, it's not just in the prequels, obviously, but, like, in the wider Star Wars canon, is that, like, the 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 sort of self-centered and opportunistic nature of the Sith means that, like, it's hard to have bigger concentrations of Sith in the same way that the Jedi are because you are constantly backstabbing one another. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, and I've always liked that. I thought that that's like kind of a clever, you know, like kind of a clever thing. Um, and so I guess that's not the case anymore, right? Like part, I, you know, I, I expressed this frustration a little bit about like the Watchmen, uh, the Watchmen finale. But like part of the frustration I have here is that like this is definitive Star Wars. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it is forever canon that this stuff has, like, happened. It's not just, like, a riff. And that's something that makes it a lot easier to sort of just, like, write stuff off, right? Like, I, it's easy for me. I know people have problems with Batman versus Superman because they, like, on, a, on a, like, a character level, they're like, oh, Batman wouldn't do this. Superman wouldn't do this. And that's fine, and that's fair, and I, like, get that, right? Like, But I also sort of think, like, it's Zack Snyder's Batman is, like, more brutal and bloodthirsty uh, and that's fine. That's his take on the character. It doesn't affect, you know, mainline mainline Batman, right? And there's something about like that compartmentalization that I find extremely comforting. And you can't do it here, right? Like now, if you want to engage with canon, canon says that the only two bloodlines that matter are the Skywalkers and the Palpatines, basically. Do you know what I mean? And like that's just like, ah, uh, fuck. Like ruins. I and this is a little. It's like the same thing as like midichlorians, but like amped up to a gazillion degrees. It feels like because it's not just like a little tiny bit of the world that just seems shitty. It is all the. It's just like everything. Yes. Outdated. I want to say like you can't go home again, but like also. I feel like I'm like I'm. I'm just thinking of like you know millennials think they have PTSD from watching Rise of Skywalker and like that that's too that's too much. But like I like there, there's I think a shade of that right. Like I don't I don't want to like make a, a favorable comparison there. But like you know it's 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 the, the fact that I have come out of this right. Like I I enjoyed watching Rise of Skywalker because I just kind of like stopped caring and turned it off and like that parroting can be comforting in a way, right? Like, you know, JJ, like I, you know, like very much in kind of the, the realm of, I saw it and I clapped type of deal. Right. Like, and if, if I'm not caring, I can appreciate it at that level, at least for like one viewing. And it's like, eh, whatever. I can't muster the energy to be mad about this anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, and there's a certain amount of that. I actually like, I agree with you. I think that's what JJ Abrams really wants. Right. 
like one of the so there's an article written by film crit hulk where he talks about his whole thing is kind of the like the cinematic parroting idea the his whole thing is just that like jj abrams is trying to trick you he's like playing three card monty with you because he has all these different MacGuffins and he's trying to like too he's trying to like move too quick and he brings up this quote that chris pine gave about jj abrams in the star trek movies where um and this, the quote is uh i tell the story about jj abrams in the first film where i'd run on the deck of the ship and say something to the blue screen about something i had no idea what i was talking about and i said to jj i'd love to do with more time because i don't know what i'm saying if you could tell me what i'm saying it'd be a really great help and jj responded it doesn't matter just run say it as fast and earnestly and urgently as possible and no one is gonna care and like there's a, that's a real ethos in this movie, right? Maybe it's just too fast and I don't care. And it shows me the, the, the lightsabers and the, you know, Lando driving the Millennium Falcon. And I'm not going to engage with it on any level deeper or more complex than that. And just let it be shallow and vapid and take it at its word at its shallow vapidness. And that's all. And like, that's fair in a certain sort of sense. And I think if I hated The Last Jedi, I would also be, like, on this train. But because, like, The Last Jedi, I think, was deep and it understood Star Wars and it comprehended Star Wars and wanted to talk about, right, like, you know, Star Wars, it's tough to go from one to the other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got I've got my issues with The Last Jedi, but I, def I definitely feel what you're what you're saying yeah i mean um, like even the worst that, parts of the last jedi are like you know it's like plot stuff it's like yeah the canto bite stuff is like a giant plot cul-de-sac that doesn't really amount to anything which sort of sucks and is like unsatisfying or whatever but that's like that's a plot level thing whereas this is like a thematic level thing i guess and yeah, i don't really no. think the plot of rise of skywalker is good um because of like these pacing problems and like the ass pulley nature of everything and just kind of like you know, at a certain point, we talk about, like, suspension of disbelief. Um, and it's just, like, you know, I think the moment when I really lost it was when, like, the ancient Sith dagger that had been sitting in this, like, forgotten planet in this Jedi hunter that Luke tracked down. And it's, like, ancient and it has these coordinates to where the Wayfinder is. The coordinates to the Wayfinder were on Endor. And it had the dagger was specifically built with like a little stupid metal apparatus to show the destroyed Death Star. And I was just like, what the fuck? This makes no sense. So what the fuck? I will. The only thing I will say in defense of that is that I don't know that it's supposed to be ancient. Right. Like, I think it's still stupid. Right. Like, you know. The idea that debris will be debris in a stormy ocean will be completely unmoving for years and years. Yeah, is stupid. yeah, yeah. But I will say that, like on that very surface level, I'm not so certain that the dagger is supposed to be ancient, right? Okay, that's also, fair. I I did think the dagger was supposed to be ancient because it's in, it's written in that like ancient Sith tongue or whatever. But sure, that's kind but, of an implication, and it's not real. So I, I actually I kind of I see I see your point. Yeah, like, I mean did it, the. It, did, like, the Emperor forge this dagger himself yeah, I, or something? I mean, that, that's, that's also a stupid part, right? Like, how do we tell the the, the Sith how to get to Exeg uh, Exegel? 
uh, we're going to write the coordinates on a dagger and uh, model it. And we're going to leave the Sith holocron inside the Death Star. Because we can see it, but we can't get to it, apparently. Not to mention, by the way, and I had this thought in the movie, right? Like, if Rey is looking at the Death Star from literally any other angle, oh, yeah. it wouldn't work. At all. You know what I mean? Like, if they came at the Death Star from the opposite side, and they were like, oh, here's the Death Star. It was the size of a giant moon, so its wreckage covers tens of you know, hundreds of square miles, right? We come at this random point to it or whatever, and she looks at the dagger. Hmm, I have no idea where this is. Movie over. They don't get the way get the way stone. Star destroyers come out and destroy the whole galaxy. Like, yeah, fucking, I mean, what the fuck? Like, <sighs> I mean, if you really like, you could like, you could just put like a fucking riddle on it, right? Like, you know, the, the like the the seat of power or something. And it's like, oh, huh, I wonder what the seat of power is. They stumble into the throne room, and it's like, oh. That's where Palpatine used to sit, and somebody, like, trips over it, and, like, the door opens or something, right? Like, Honestly, I don't even think you have to do more than just hack C-3PO's brain for it. Yeah, like, that's You fair. hack C-3PO's brain, and he goes, ah, it's on Endor, because it was in the the Emperor's throne room. That's where that's where it was. Great, thanks. Let's fucking, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why? Why? I mean, the, the C-3PO and the Chewbacca stuff I also think is bad. It's yeah, actually the, the, almost like... The Chewbacca stuff is meaningless, right? Like, like yeah. it is, it's like t t way too fast, right? Like I might've bought like Chewbacca showing up at the end of the movie, right? Like mm -hmm. with some like, you know, oh, it was a different, but it's like, it's literally immediate, right? It's like, it's like, oh no, she killed Chewbacca. What? And then we see Chewbacca. Okay, don't don't worry. I, I guess like what, what? And then the you think, and then you think, oh, she's going to like carry this guilt or whatever. 10 minutes later, yeah. they are rescuing Chewbacca. It's like. What the fuck is this plot point? I actually, to be honest with you, I was really excited. I was like, oh my god, Ray killed Chewbacca. That's gonna be like a thing. Yeah. It's gonna be some drama that she's And she, she killed him with force lightning, right? Right, like, yeah, exactly. She kills him with force lightning. Like, holy fuck, right? Like, here is something is happening. No, do they complete it's like you know, I talk about like pulling your punches. Um, it's exactly that. Chewbacca should have died. That would have been a better choice. It yeah. would have been more compelling storytelling. And you could, you could have like, it was like she learns how to deal with it or whatever, right? Like that's like a, a like a, a a lever that you can like drive into Kylo to like, you know, be like, you know, even even when things, right? Like you you just do something better with them, whatever the fuck they. they yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think the same thing is true for C-3PO. I was like, wow, that, the the moment when he's like, I'm taking one last look at my friends. By the way, C-3PO, you have terrible friends. They constantly shit on you to your face. Like, every time you do anything, they're all just like, shut the fuck up, C-3PO, you stupid piece of garbage. Like, I was like, guys, lay off C-3PO. But then he's like, he's like, I just want to take one last look at my friends or whatever. And it's like, oh, wow, like, yeah, okay, cool. That's like... That's like sort of like deep, you know, like yeah. that C-3PO is sacrificing himself in his, in his own way in order to like help them for... Nope, R2-D2 has backups of C-3PO's memory. Beep boop. So they didn't, turret, I they didn't even do the cool thing with that, right? Like I was like, oh, is this where C-3PO is going to realize that he was built I by know, Darth Vader? I... It's just like <laughs> nothing. Just like... I think it's because he hates the prequels. I think it's because he hates the prequels. Uh, because something that I expected to happen... Um, first of all, I think Kylo Ren getting his helmet back is incredibly stupid and dumb. And another thing that, like, J.J. is like, fuck you, Ryan Johnson, about. Um, but, like, the bringing back the Darth Vader helmet or whatever, I, I was seriously like, 
oh, fuck, like, is he going to talk to Force Ghost Anakin? Because this is a fan theory that people had talked about a little bit, right? That, like, the thing that redeems Kylo Ren is he has a conversation with Anakin in Force Ghost form. We know Anakin can manifest as a Force Ghost because he does it at his own funeral with Yoda and Obi-Wan in Episode 6. So he is going to manifest as a Force Ghost to his, to his grandson and say, yeah, I was... You know, I was in the exact same position as you, and it fucking sucked. And I understand why Luke wasn't there for you, and he couldn't understand what you were going through. But I do, and you should be a good guy. And he goes, "Okay, Grandpa, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be a fucking good guy now, or whatever." And I was like, "You know, listen, if you're gonna do the Kylo Ren redemption, that's a that's pretty a good version. way to hit it, right? Yeah. No, nope, not at all. Fucking uh, hallucination, Han Solo, Force Ghost, Han. What? Hmm? I guess he's yeah. not a Force Ghost because he wasn't blue and glowy, right?" So Kylo Ren just hallucinates himself into the fucking light. Yeah, I, I, I thought, I thought it was supposed to just be like a, like a memory, right? Like, like a, like a theory, you know, like a metaphysical conversation or, or a metaphorical conversation. But then he like has like clever lines, right? It's like, you know, like the I know lines a little bit too much for like. I thought that was like a neat way to do it, but like it doesn't justify Han being there. Yeah, um, I also uh, I have also heard that Leia implanted it in him, right? Like, like Leia. That this because she says like I'm gonna save my son and then she fucking dies, uh. But like that her thing wasn't just reaching out to him, but it was also like implanting this Han Solo image in to like get him back or whatever, which like is probably the best way that you can explain that. Yeah, I don't I don't fucking know. Like it's so bad. <laughs> it's honestly so bad. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so yeah, I also I also thought that maybe there would be a thing where C-3PO, like, gets his memories back or whatever, and he, like, talks to Kylo Ren about Anakin Skywalker, because he is intimately aware of who Anakin Skywalker is, like, was, was. before he became Darth Vader. Uh, nope, not at all. Completely, completely useless. Honestly, the whole reason for C-3PO to be on that, like, trip in the first place, I also thought was incredibly stupid. I was like... I was like, why are they bringing, like, why are they bringing him? R2-D2 is clearly, like, not only did the prequels, ex like, establish that R2-D2 is a badass, but, like, R2-D2 just, like, is a good, uh, wh why is he not there? I guess BB-8, I guess this new dumb droid, who I didn't understand the purpose of either, was also there. Sell toys. Like I, yeah. like I am so cynical about this. Like the the conehead's there to sell toys. It, it makes a very easy Lego. Like I feel like they like made something out of Legos and was like this. This will sell well. Let's let's, let's do it. Uh, like not no no super hard shapes like the BB-8. It's like literally three Lego pieces and you've got the fucking thing. Yeah. Um, uh, it's. Uh, I mean I I. I hate or i don't I, I think bb8 robbed r2d2 of his justified screen time in this trilogy because r2d2 is the best character in all of star wars but yeah. um uh i think the only good thing bb8 ever did was shoot out his lighter like a thumbs up <laughs> <laughs> fucking uh but yeah uh it's 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 funny because like when when C3PO says that Babu Frick is his oldest friend, right? Like Babu Frick's probably the best friend that C3PO's ever had, right? Like <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And you know, and I'm being a little bit harsh, right? Cuz like as much as they dumped on him in the original trilogy, like they always came back around to him, right? Like they were like mm -hmm. only half and like it was mostly Han. But fucking these guys like like 
it feels like they took that joke and just like they just drove it into the ground because it, it's just too many of them, right? It's like it feels like straight up a fucking abusive, right? Like yeah, no, it does, and it, and it, it's it, this is the other thing. Like one of the things that I like about Poe, or I liked about Poe, um, especially in the Force Awakens, is he's just like a good, you know what I mean? Like yeah, he's like a good guy. He's like Captain America. He's like Superman, right? He's just like a good, righteous dude, and he's you know he's got. Uh, a clear head on his shoulders and he's charismatic and he's a leader and he's like calm and collected so that when everybody else is like anxious, he's, he'll, you know, he's optimistic and he goes, no, we have this kind of thing. Right. Uh, whereas like he kind of turned into a dick in this movie. I mean, he also kind of turned into a dick in the last Jedi. So, you know, it's not great kind of on either of these last two, uh, in either of these last two movies. But like, there was a moment where he looked at like Zori and was like, Hey, like, I know we're at, you know, like we're, we're here to like, solve this huge universe threatening bad guy problem but uh do you want to like fuck real quick <laughs> so he's like no of course not right like what was that this is it's no homo bro yeah i think it is honestly just the no homo stuff <laughs> like uh... i mean so I, I i think at the very end of the movie it's a little bit more forgivable because, like, it's supposed to be, like, a celebratory thing, right? But, like, yeah, right in the middle of the movie, he's like, can I kiss you? It's like, what, what the fuck? What the fuck, Poe? Like, they, like, I, I thought the idea of him having, like, a dark checkered past that kind of, like, cuts against the goodness aspect of him is interesting. And I thought that could have been neat, but it kind of gets undermined by, like, him just also being kind of a bro douche in, in like, the weirdest way. Like, in the weird, like, it, it is, like, I, I, like, okay, I almost want to say that somebody was, like, well, they're, they're mad at our, like, at the woke characters, so if we give them, like, a, 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 a like, a, a dude bro, they'll be happy, Yeah, we I turn Poe into, like, Reddit incarnate. <laughs> but it's not even Reddit, right? Like, it's, like, it's, like, the, the, the worst 4chan parody of Chad, <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yep. Yeah, and then there was that whole thing where it's like, you are, you like want to be Leia or whatever. And I was like, is that what they're going for? Like, that's that's what they're trying to do with his character arc? He's They're trying to like make him the new Leia? Because like, it could not make any less sense that that was the case. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, even if, you know, I, I don't love a lot of the stuff that happens with Leia in the later half of the original trilogy, right? Like, kind of for the first half of Empire and then, like, Star Wars. I kind of feel like she's more proactive a character than in, like, the back half. Um, same thing with, like, Han, or same thing with Han, just because of, like, he doesn't really have, he doesn't really have anything show. to do yeah. in, the, in, this, in the sixth movie or whatever. Um, but, like, I just, like, that, th Leia is not that jerky. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe she is. Maybe I'm just like... Yeah, I mean, I, I think the idea that he's trying to arc from being kind of like the 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 hot-headed idealist young soldier into like the mature commander makes sense, right? Like that, 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 that conceptually makes sense, but they didn't really like give it to him. Like they didn't like... Like th that was kind of like what was supposed to have happened in The Last Jedi, right? Like... He didn't really have a character in The Force Awakens because he's got, like, three minutes of screen time. And, like, his arc in The Last Jedi is supposed to be from, like, the hot-headed know-it-all to, like, the, you know, 
slightly wiser man, right? You know, I've gone over my problems with the way that that's executed, but you know, I think I think it's it's a, like the the intent is clearly there, um, uh, and like it makes sense to kind kind of try and deliver on it here, but it just kind of doesn't happen. Although I, I must say, I do think that like the 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 Finn Poe bromance is much better done in this movie than I thought it was done in the Last Jedi. Yeah, um, I mean, and it sucks because in the Last Jedi they don't have a lot of, you know, they don't spend a lot of time together. Yeah, I think yeah. that's one of the cardinal sins about the Last Jedi, to be honest, is um, like the initial setup in the Force of, in the Rise of Skywalker actually didn't piss me off that much. Like the idea that like these big three characters are finally getting together and like going off on their adventure, that felt really great. That felt like normal and good. Um, but. Uh, and it's honestly like the first time this has happened, right? Like, uh, you know, like one of my criticisms of The Force Awakens is that Poe is not part of that original group. Uh, it's Finn and Rey, and Poe only like shows up later, and he doesn't even like really interact with them. Um, when I wish that uh, when I wish that he did, and so like that dynamic was like okay for the first five seconds of the movie. Um, I just kind of wish they could like follow up on it better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same. <laughs> I, I I don't know what else <sighs> what else to say about that. Um do, do we want to wrap this up with uh with with any other point in particular? Did you have anything my, else My burned? friendship has ended with Star Wars. I am I'm a Cats fan now. Oof. Well, I Henry Cavill is in the uh is in the new Witcher series and that's supposed to be good. And he likes Warhammer Total and War. And he so. likes playing Total War Warhammer, which is just like such a fucking mood. <laughs> I actually thought that I uh, like I I thought that he was going to be like because, uh, like, he's talked about he's talked about like gaming in the past or whatever, and I thought he might like you know be like casual or whatever. He's like, no, he's beaten the game six different times with six different races. Like, oh yeah, fuck, respectable. <laughs> Good job. I just like the, I just like this 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 you know, like oh, I bet you he's like one of those people who plays Madden or something like that, right? It's like no, he's a real nerd. Well, no, uh, well, no. So he plays World of Warcraft. He talked about uh, in the in the like I had the Man of Steel and like Batman vs Superman. When he got the phone call from Zack Snyder that was, you're going to be Superman, uh, he was raiding. He was healing a, a raid. And he looked at the phone and he didn't recognize the phone number. So he he was like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna answer that. You know, we're raiding or whatever. But then they, like, had a wipe and they go out of break. So he answered the phone call and he, like, got the thing. But, like, yeah, man, fucking Henry Cavill's a, Henry Cavill's a gamer. A capital G gamer, Mango. How would you feel if, like, you found out that, like, one of the people that you've been playing with this entire time has, was, like, you know, one it's of the people Henry in the Cavill. guild was, was was Henry Cavill, yeah. I, you know, honestly, I would... What, what, if, what, if, what if Sir Peng was Henry Cavill? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Shout-outs to Sir Peng. Uh, Shout-out, yeah, um, exactly. Shout-out to, to the good buddy Sir Peng. Um, who anyway, I guess we're done. I guess we're done with yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Fuck yeah. you, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, God. I can't uh, I can't even deal with this. It's, like, really pissing me off. I was actually really excited to get into The Mandalorian because I was like, I'm going to watch Rise of Skywalker, and then I'll watch The Mandalorian. Now it's like, I want nothing to do with you, Star Wars. Get out of my face. Mandalorian's supposed to be good. I might, yeah. I might go watch it to kind of comfort, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Part of, Part of me wants to believe that, like, at some point, they'll just be like, fuck it, those were bad, let's do something over. Like, you even use the same characters. I don't, I don't know. 
I don't know. Fair enough. Where do you, where do you think they go from here? Do you think there's going to be an episode 10, 11, 12? Uh, no. I think they're going to Marvelize it, which I don't think is a terrible idea in the first place. Um, right? Like, Kevin Feige's already supposed to d- direct a movie. I'm sure if that does well, he'll end up taking over the whole fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, like, other movies set inside the Star Wars universe I think would be great, right? Like, I don't think we need any more of this mainline stuff. Like, you occasionally have, like, Finn walk by in the background and, like, wave at the camera and everybody can clap and it'll be fine. Yeah, um, I mean, something that I found uh, that I found really great when I was watching the Clone Wars episodes is how, like, small scale they are compared to, like, obviously, like, the mainline movies, which are all about, like, the fate of the galaxy. Like, there's one whole move, there's one whole episode in Clone Wars where, um, like, the Separatists use an ion cannon to blow up a, uh, to, like, blow up a Republic Star Destroyer thing, but they're not called Star Destroyers yet. And there's a bunch of escape pods, and in one of those escape pods is... Like, it's like a Jedi and a bunch of guys or whatever. And there are these droids running around destroying the escape pods, right? And so, like, there's this tension because, like, everyone's like, oh, the thing is destroyed. Everyone's dead. Let's leave it or whatever. And Anakin is like, no, I sense fucking someone. We're going to go We're gonna go save them. And they're like, no, Anakin, listen to orders. And Anakin's like, fuck you, dad. And, uh, and it's like, it's a very small scale story, right? It's just a handful of like clone troopers and one Jedi, um, who need to be saved from droids killing, like blown, blown stuff up. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, and so I sort of wonder if like getting into that sort of smaller scale, more focused stuff will, will be better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so, just because, like, you can't tell a story about the fate of the galaxy without referencing the main characters, and I don't think they want to be around for at least a little while. Um, and you could also, there's also, like, plenty of fertile ground between, like, say, six and seven um, to, to work with. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so, uh, how's, how's your week been? Uh, my week has been great been playing lots of total war uh as mentioned but like i don't really even have all that much to say about it besides that like total war is good and it continues to be good and uh and i'm playing and i'm playing a lot of it i am building this this is the big news i'm building an edh deck a commander deck for magic the gathering because a bunch of our friends uh, a bunch of my friends have been getting back into magic and doing like drafts and stuff um but i played a lot of edh in college and so i've been you know, like telling them about it or whatever. And it was, uh, it was Cammy's birthday. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to get Cammy an EDH deck. Cause they have like pre-constructed EDH decks, right. For her birthday. And that's what like her birthday present will be. And now all of a sudden I'm like falling back down, like the, the, the magic, uh, rabbit hole where I'm like looking at like, Ooh, look all these like new cool cards. What do they do stuff? Yeah, yeah. What 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 uh what is your commander gonna be? Do you know? So I'm gonna be using Yuriko, the Tiger's Shadow, which is so one of my favorite mechanics. So I'm I, I like blue is my favorite color, and blue black was my old EDH deck, um, because that's always been my favorite color combination. But the thing is, is that there haven't really been a ton of great commanders in that color wheel, right? In that like color slice, um, and. Uh, and so, like, I want to play, like, a blue-black deck 
and and I was looking at the, the different commanders, and they released a ninja commander. And I love the Kamigawa set, and I specifically love the, nin, the ninjutsu mechanic, which is basically like you attack with a minion, and if it's unblocked, you can pay a cheap cost to swap that minion for a ninja that's attacking from your hand, and all ninjas have an effect that's like, when it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card, or when it deals combat damage to a player, like bounce a minion or something like that. Um and all of that stuff is like really great, and I find it to be just like super fun. Uh, so I'm playing. I'm gonna be playing Yuriko, and she's blue black, which is obviously like the other piece of, like the other piece of the puzzle. But uh, yeah, I, I have to say that I think that the game has gotten a lot more friendly to Commander since they like officially adopted it, which was after oh, my yeah, time yeah. of playing. Yeah, like uh, after my time of playing EDH. But like as I've been looking through like the more recent sets, it's become really clear that they re they're like release cards that are just like yeah, like this is a fucking like killer EDH bomb. Yeah, I mean, so they release commander specific cards, right? Every year they release a set of five decks with commanders specifically in them. You can't really run in yeah. the real game. Yeah, this is um, where this is where the ninja commander came from. Like they like designed her for one of those decks. Um, and the other part of this is again, I, I can't recommend the um, the, the Mark Rosewater uh, uh, commute podcast enough, but he talks about how like they like they always can like. They consider what the effects of certain cards will have on all of the gameplay meta, right? Like, and that includes like the the, the non-standard formats. Um, and obviously, they're not doing that like, or the either what you're doing that for homebrew formats is going to be a lot less than for official formats. And Commander being an official format puts that kind of in the forefront. Um, uh, so I think I, I think you're absolutely spot on with that, and I, I think uh, it, it's. Uh, I, I think it's a, a neat format. I think I think part of the problem is is because it's an official format, um, it's starting to become too too solvable. If that makes sense, right? Like like EDH was a format invented so that uh, you know you couldn't just uh, like like so that it would be very hard to make a a, a killer like you know uh, pay to win deck type of deal for casual play. Um, it's only moving out of that. Um, there's a, there's another version. It's called like Canadian Highborn or something. That's got like more restrictions on it that keeps it from being like, it's like progressively more things to keep it from being solvable. Uh, let me see if yeah, I can I find mean, it. That, that is definitely something that I find, uh, interesting, I guess. Um, and I sort of want to see how things like play out like part of it is that none of us want to spend a ton of money right so like you know like i'm playing blue black but i'm probably not gonna buy you know like a fucking <laughs> jace mind sculptor that's a hundred dollar card and one of the nice things about edh is you only need one of it right so like hypothetically speaking yeah i could go buy the, the one uh edh card or i could buy like my one copy of that or whatever but like we're all trying to keep it like pretty cheap and pretty uh contained and so my hope is um, that, w like, using the pre-constructed decks as a base and sort of, like, subbing in very kind of, like, small-scale cards will be an, an easier and kind of, like, fairer way to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so Canadian Highlander, as, as best as I can tell, is just... Uh, it's just commander with without 
without commanders. Like it's a hundred hundred card unique deck, uh, and that's it. Um, oh really? But I, see, I feel like the commanders are like. Yeah, no, I I, I feel like I'm, I'm missing something. Maybe I'm thinking of a different type of of uh, of format. But I like th- there is this tradition of inventing new formats. Like they just came out with like um a new format. It's called Pioneer, which is like. So they made, I forget what the last one was called, but there was a format that was postmodern that was like a little bit moved forward so that you had like a smaller set of cards. You didn't have all the baggage from the other ones. And Pioneer is that same set. It's like the same thing, but moved forward again, right? So it's like slightly longer than standard or like significantly longer than standard. I think it goes back to like 2008, I want to say. But like, you know, cuts off some of the, 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 the chaff as it were, um, which is like, they're always thinking of ways to like make the game more accessible because, um, like kitchen table magic is like a staple of the game and it's hard to play sometimes if you have somebody with like a good, really good deck. Um, yeah. Or even yeah, like, I mean, th- this is part of what also I find, uh, really compelling about magic is like multiplayer magic, but then like EDH is very much like designed around yeah, yeah. like the politics of uh, a multiplayer game rather than just a two player game. Um, because like in head to head, you know, you never have to deal with like somebody getting vengeance on you. Right. And you have so much more, uh, kind of like at stake in a way because like if everybody gangs up on you you just you just lose no matter what in a lot of in a lot of situations it's hard uh, with a table of four people right if you kind of make yourself a threat you will you will just kind of get stomped out because like nobody can really like 1v3 super efficiently um and so i th- i find that a lot of that stuff in a kitchen table setting with EDH uh, has done a pretty good job at making the games kind of like fun and unique outside of the, just the fact that like EDH is EDH and like the, there's a super high variance. Like this is the thing that I love about EDH, which is um, because it's a singleton format and it's a hundred card deck, the games play out extremely differently, like every time. And you have to have like redundancies in a way, but like your redundancies aren't the same kind of redundancies that you would see in like a traditional sort of deck. It's like, well, maybe my late game bomb is the Scarab God, or maybe it's you know, Skithy Ricks, the Blight Dragon, or maybe it's, and it's like, you have, you have five or six of them, but like, they're all fundamentally different and you have to sort of play around what you get kind of a thing. Um, and I think that that's neat. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. It keeps the games from being too consistent or getting stale, right? Like you couldn't run with the yeah. same deck a bunch of times and have a unique experience. Um, but yeah, uh, as for my week, I didn't do a ton that was compelling, uh, but I did. Um, uh, I, I've been playing some Smash Brothers since I'm back home in New Jersey and my brother wants to play Smash Brothers. So it's been fun checking out like Banjo-Kazooie and Terry, the new DLC characters. They're not that new, but they're new to me since I haven't played in a while, um, which has been fun. Do you play a lot of Smash, buddy? Uh, I have played a ton of Smash in the past. Like, I played a lot of N64 Smash and a lot of Melee, and then I kind of, like, fell off with Brawl, and then I basically never played Smash 4. Uh, and then, obviously, I, I haven't also... I have not played much Smash Ultimate, so we're kind of in that, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, otherwise, you know, what is it? I've, I've, been, I've been 
playing Destiny because you know that's it's the season of the dawn. Got to so grind they, out yeah, new so stuff. So they came, a, they they came up. A new thing has come out, right? Uh, yeah, I technically came out the last time we talked, but I don't think I talked a ton about it. So, uh, but yeah, it's um so. It's the new season, which is kind of like a the. It's basically a new patch, um, with a season pass attached to it, um, uh, like a patch in in terms of like you know in, in the WoW sense, right? Like the mm-hmm. it's a content patch. Um, yeah. Um, basically the 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 premise is that um, Osiris, who is this warlock, who's from uh, he's like this old warlock that got exiled by the Speaker of the Tower a while ago for. Uh, being for basically experimenting too hard. He built like a time machine at one point to try and save his friend. Um, and then the cabal took over it and are using it to try and, uh, so specifically a sub race of the cabal who are like these psychers who are kind of generally like oppressed and like made to like made into like shock, like snipers and like, uh, psycho troops are like, they're trying to like, I think take over, um, at least their division of the cabal using this time machine. Um, and, uh, you use the time machine to go save, uh, St. 14, who's this legendary Titan figure that you found the grave of a while ago. It's weird time travel shenanigans. Cause, um, the gun that he wields is called the perfect paradox. And the way it goes is, is you gave him the perfect paradox like thousands of years ago. Um, and then he gives it back to you two years ago in real time or like you find it at, at his grave two years ago in real time, but now he's back again. And so you have a real version of it and it's getting very fucky very quickly. So, um, I think, I think it's just going to do like uh predestination paradox type stuff. Like what always, ha- what, what happened always happened type of deal. Um, that, or they're going to refer to at the end of the season, but the big mechanics are, uh, you have these thing called obelisks, which are, literally like conduits for like time energy or something, but you throw resources into them and you get benefits and buffs and then you can get weapons out of them. And the, the core loop for destiny is really like grinding to get good rolls on your weapons so that you can do more content with those weapons faster. And so, you know, it is kind of like the standard grind. Um, it's fun. Uh, it's, it's a like the the actual activity itself, which is called the sundial, is pretty neat. It's like a set of like challenges that are not too difficult but interesting, and like you get to like choose your rewards out of it instead of having to randomly roll every time. So it's 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 nice. Um, yeah, it's a decent season. Also, the Christmas that's events cool. happening that's right good. now, so you have to bake cookies for everybody. That's the important thing. Very MMO like. Um. Uh, but yeah, I can't do that right now. Oh, so the other thing I'm doing is I am going to get involved in a in-person Pathfinder game, uh, in the next couple of weeks. So I've been reading the Pathfinder 2E core rulebook, um, and they released some errata for it, and I've been digging into the Lost Omens character guide. Um, and it's neat. I specifically want to call out that the Lost Omens character guide has, um, like a ton of information on different ethnicities for different races, um, in a way that like you, you didn't really see, like, you know, the elves and the dwarves and the halflings, like, you might get, like, a second, like, you know, like, you'd get an entry for bleachlings in uh-huh. the halflings. Um, this goes into, like, a lot of detail on the different ethnicities of of the different types of, uh, like, like like I said, uh, dwarves, 
all the halflings, right? Like it goes into like the the there's Osirian dwarves that like guard uh guard tombs, and there's like a sect of uh a sect of of uh, uh what's what's the what's the godless nation called again? Uh oh, uh Rahadum. Yeah, Rahadum. There's a sect of Rahadumi dwarves that are like like crazy egalitarians. They're, they they like. It's like, you know, I bow to no god, like, god is no better than man type of deal, and they're all, like, vegans, and it's a bunch of, like, cool stuff like that. Um, And it fleshes that stuff out in a way that, like, didn't get fleshed out in Pathfinder until much later down the line. Um, It comes with a bunch of new feats, too, like, new new ancestry feats, and also um, opened up the lizard folk, the leshies, and the hobgoblins as... uh, as new new ancestry, so. Oh, that's um, nice. I've always liked hobgoblins. I kind of wished hobgoblins got more of a, uh, yeah, uh, uh, like usage outside of just like the typical sort of goblin usage. Yeah, I, I have to say I'm not a super huge fan of the visual design of Paizo hobgoblins, which are just mm-hmm. like, you take a goblin and you like stretch them so they're like normal man sized. Um, I'm like used to kind of like the the more military militaristic looking ones. I just kind of like. Not a super huge fan of the Paizo Goblin design yeah. in the first place. Yeah, with like the um, super, super like wide ears and, and stuff. And the toothy head, yeah. Yeah. Um But you know, it's it's still neat. Um Uh yeah, if you Google Hobgoblin you get the superhero. Like uh I like the ones that are kind of like a little bit more like so like they usually have like kind of like a, a semi like Mongolian flair to them and they're a little bit uh, less like they're a little bit more like mammal faced, and the pie, the Paisa ones are just a little bit too much. Like, like literally, like it looks they they look like they could be like three goblins in a trench coat. Um, yeah, sometimes. I've always been a big fan of uh, of that kind of like Attila the Hun style of yeah, goblin. Yeah. Um, I think that is uh, kind of like the appropriate way. To, I mean, I never like read the Iron Fang Invasion, which was all about like a hobgoblin thing. Um, but like that's always like the kind of uh you know it's like i feel like i would want to do like a war campaign that is set in that sort of a, a scenario when you're fight where you're fighting against like a real sort of like army rather than than like uh kind of like a mishmash which is sort of how certain like you know like giants and stuff like that are portrayed in pathfinder and in D. yeah 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 but uh it's uh the the rules are neat i'm looking forward to actually getting to to play them at some point do you know what class you're gonna play uh not yet because they don't know what the other characters in my group are gonna do um but i'm i'm i've got a couple ideas in mind um uh one of which is like i've always been fascinated by kind of the the idea that you have either like a lizard, usually I like to do it with a kobold and they're not like a real race yet. So I might, or a real ancestry rather yet. So I might wait for them to do this, but it's like uh, a kobold who like takes like the, is like a dragon blood uh, sorcerer or blood rager in money. And like, is like all about becoming a real dragon because they're like, you know, like that's like a big part of cold culture, kobold culture is being like the, the inheritors of, uh, of dragon blood type deal. Uh-huh. So, I know. I always thought that was a cool thing to do, but uh, yeah. either something like that, or you know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll look around. I'm, I usually like latch onto a mechanic and go with that. So um, the uh, the Norse 
um, uh, human ethnicity uh, gets can take a feat. I think it's either it's either a feat or a background. I forget or heritage. Heritage is kind of like your starting thing. I forget which one it is, but um, you get to you get raise a shield and you're trained with like battle axes and long swords. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, doing, like, a, a magical character with that kind of background, I think, would be cool. So you can get, like, the battle mage out of it. Um, stuff like that. That, 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 that. That's all my jam. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I still have a lot more to read because there's, like, a bunch of uh, archetypes to, to, to read through. But uh, I'll report back when I uh, when I get through that stuff. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. What else has been going on? So nerfs went out for the Hearthstone stuff that – we talked about last week um, where they hit shaman, uh, but they didn't. There's like an interesting piece of this where like they hit shaman, but they didn't hit it super hard. Most of what they did was depower and slow it down, right? Like once you got shaman online, your power level was about the same. It just takes longer. Uh, But one of the interesting developments is that like, you know, the inevitability of Thanos, the inevitability of Face Hunter as returned with the new way to beat that shaman deck now that it's slower is to just play a hyper smork face hunter deck. Uh that honestly it does remind me a lot of the ye oldie face hunters, but there uh there's like a lot yeah, face is the place. Uh but there's actually like a lot of like interesting sort of stuff going on in that uh in that deck. Like so for instance one of the big win conditions against that face hunter deck is using Timberwolf, which is a one mana one one that gives your beasts plus one attack, and uh, the it's an attack of the hounds. It's uh, God unleash the hounds. Unleash the hounds, right? Uh, which summons a bunch of one ones with charge, and so kind of what you do is because you're never dealing with your opponent's board, you're just kind of constantly going face they make a pretty big board as they're going you know like as they're pressuring you down and so you unleash the hounds and drop a timber wolf and all of a sudden it's like oh here's eight you know face damage get get fucked uh sort of thing so that, that was like the one of the classic combos um that and like uh but like they they nerfed unleash the hounds by like making it cost another man i believe yeah, I honestly um, don't really remember the... Uh, I feel like there was a series of nerfs to Unleash the Hounds, like, to what it used to... Uh, to what it used to be. But I don't really, like, remember offhand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was two <laughs> mana, originally. Oh, yeah. and, uh, yeah, and so... Yeah, and the old version was giving your beasts plus one plus one in charge which then changed to summoning the one ones okay okay interesting yeah but yeah i i remember that it was it was it was very strong it was like the win con on on like the older face hunter yeah or the interesting thing is is that we seem to have found ourselves back into a kind of like ye olde rock paper scissors card game meta where uh, the the shaman deck is the mid range deck that's getting beaten out by uh, face hunter, but you can still play control warrior, you can play control priest, that kind of thing. Um, there's a there's a heal paladin uh, that that people have also been like fucking around with, where you um, you just kind of take all of the damage, but like you just heal it up until they run out of gas, 
because uh, there's a bunch of really efficient heals in Paladin right now. So, you know, there's a lot of that stuff going around. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so I have one more thing to talk about. Okay. Cats. Okay. Mango. I saw cats. I have to say, it's funny that I saw cats and Star Wars, like, a couple of days apart, because I earnestly had such a better time at cats, even though cats is awful. I mean, cats, let's just get uh, this out of the way. It's terrible. But it's like. Did you see patched or unpatched cats? I have seen unpatched cats. All of Judy Dench's hands were unpatched, human hands, Judy Dench cats. Uh, and it <laughs> is just. Sense? I actually have a couple Did of hot takes. Yeah, that's that's how you know if you have patched or unpatched. You can look at Judy Dench's hands because they just didn't, they just like didn't do them right. She just has normal human hands. She's wearing a big overcoat, so like a big fur coat. No, I, I like whatever. I get it. I just I just like take that sentence in isolation. It's like I have unpatched Judy Dench human hands. It's like what the <laughs> fuck are you saying? Yeah, yeah. No, Sorry. the funny thing is that I kind of have like a couple of like hot takes related to cats. One of which being that like people keep talking about how horny it is, uh, and I just don't think that that's actually all that true. I think people are just kind of like not super used to like dance as like a, like an art form. Uh, like the the core, they do a the couple of different sort of. Form. Well, sure. I mean, like, they do a couple of different, uh, like, dance numbers or whatever. Like, there's a tap routine, right? They have this, like, weird... It is insanely strange because they're cats, but they're wearing, like, sneakers, like Converse, and they're doing, like, a breakdance routine or whatever. But, like, the main cat is named Victoria, and she's a ballerina, and she's basically doing ballet. And there's a bunch of pieces kind of in there where, like, for a moment... You know, like, for, like, little hints and glimpses, you're a little bit like, oh, I get it. I understand why people like cats. Not because any of these lyrics make sense. They, they fucking don't. Or, like, the story makes sense. There really isn't a story, and it doesn't make sense if there is one. Um, and, uh, and just career-ruining performances. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to look at Idris Elba the same ever again. That guy made a huge mistake taking this this film role because I will just forever see him as McCavity, the evil bad guy cat. But in his like black cat fursuit thing, he just looks so weird. It's inhuman and it's so strange. But I actually earnestly highly recommend that everybody go and that everybody you don't do anything. Don't learn things. Don't understand cats i never saw cats i didn't even know that like the big song in cats was from cats or whatever just try and see it as raw as you can and try not to ruin it for like the 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 people in the audience who definitely are going to get it ruined because everyone is constantly laughing because it's so fucking funny i felt so bad because i just kept laughing at things and i just kept saying what the fuck to just like all of these things that were going on because nothing made any sort of sense. And uh, and there was one person in the back that just sort of said, what's so funny? And I was like, oh my God, this is someone who like really earnestly loves cats and it's like seeing their favorite musical on screen. I'm totally ruining it because like, I just don't understand. But yeah, so that's Cats. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended. Top class right. cinema content. Go see Cats. Don't see Scar Wars. That's my, that's my hot take. Okay. Uh, I think we'll we'll end it with that recommendation. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, tell us what you th- thought about Rise of Skywalker or 
any of Star Wars or Cats. You can reach us at SimDervisPlayGames at gmail.com or podcast at SimDervisPlayGames.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash SimDervisPlayGames. Uh, you can donate to us at patreon.com slash SimDervisPlayGames. Uh, and I think that's everything I had, but do you have anything else you want to promote? Uh, I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>